So how much do these surfing boards cost anyway? I love that. I love that clip. That's a movie called Step Into Liquid, and it's a movie that uh, is about Christ followers from California, a place not so different from ours, went to Northern Ireland to help people who are Protestant and Catholic to start to get along. And as you know, there has been a historic war there, and they came in and they helped these kids, and there's still tension between Protestants and Catholics. And what we saw here is that in Christ... We are all one, and we're going to take a look at that today. If you're here for the first time, I hope you feel what God is doing in this place. It's an incredible movement of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a production. This is not entertainment. This is what God is doing in our midst. And uh, we also want to welcome those listening around the country and on our podcast. We welcome you to our worship today. Thank you for emailing us. Uh, Please do that. Continue to email us, Uh, especially nice emails are always good. But um, I had a person, a couple sent this email in, Graham, this is about the Real Modern Family series. Graham, we've been enjoying the series about Real Modern Family. We've been married for 30 years. We have found that living together for 30 years, we've got to give each other room to grow, each other room to grow, and help God to help them be the people that God wants them to be. I love that, and thanks for sending that in. Well, today is our kickoff of our significant sacrifice. It's our 40 days before Easter, and this is a really an incredible Sunday. My message today was, is sort of prompted by a conversation I had outside the church. And I don't know if you know, but I really try to take in what you say to me or what I hear every Sunday outside here. So a woman came up to me and she said, Graham, I need an explanation. Now, I don't like it when people ask or say that to me. <laughs> I mean, I get like, we need to have a talk or let's have a conversation, but I need an explanation. I know I've done something wrong. She said, well, I just want to talk to you about this podcast thing, this, this like talking about India and other countries everywhere. And she said, I mean, it just kind of bothers me, she said, because our church is here, she said. It's not over there. It's here. Now, when she said that, I really did get that. Because honestly, haven't you sometimes felt, why are we sending all kinds of money to foreign countries when we've got so many needs here, here in San Miguel, and even parts of Paso Robles, the food bank needs attention. So I I got what she was kind of saying. And also, haven't you been to churches before that had this international experience thing? And they weren't international. I went to a church up in Redding, where I used to live, California. And I remember going to church, and there were like a thousand flags as he drove up to church from every different country. It was like going to the United Nations. And let me just say, this church was not exactly international uh, on the inside. The flags are flying on the outside, but not so much on the inside. So I get it. So I've been thinking about this. So our church is here, and it's not over there. I'm thinking about that. So I'm driving my car, and I go down to get some gas, and I fill up the tank without looking at the cost of gas. And apparently, the cost of gas has gone up a lot, So I go to the guy at the station. I say, well, what's that about? And he said, oh, it's Libya, this whole international crisis over there. And I started to think about it. And I started to think, well, over there has actually come over here. So then I went down to get my coffee at Starbucks. And I got a, I I don't know how to order at Starbucks. I always get tongue-tied. They always say, you want a shizzle, nizzle, frazzle, dazzle, frippa, frappa with room on top. I just want coffee, Okay. I seriously have not figured out how to talk at Starbucks yet. So I'm like, can I have a medium coffee? She's like, do you want Kenyan, Colombian, or Ethiopian? I don't know, I said. Just throw all three in one cup, please, do that. But then I started to think that, like, over there has come over here. And then it's date night, Star and I, and we were going to go to a restaurant the other night, and uh, so she says, do you want to go sushi, Thai, Korean, 
and there's a new Mexican restaurant here. And of course, I started to think that over there has come here. But that's not what I want to talk about today, because you all know that. That wouldn't be like a good sermon. You'd be like, yeah, of course. But what I want to talk about is how in Christ, in Jesus Christ, over there is the same as over here. It's one in Christ. Let me show you what I mean. And by the way, this sort of classification of here and over there, it's been going on forever. And I don't mean to put people in a box to think about that, because I think about that sometimes. I'm like, well, this is here where we are. But let me just take a look at this. Now, when Paul started the church in like 60 AD, there were sort of three groups of people in the world. There was just, this was like the whole world. The Mediterranean there, and you had the Jewish people of faith. They were the very center. That was the inner club. If you were a person of faith, you had to come from that particular group. And then there were the Greeks. Now, as you can see, this is the Roman Empire, but it was really Greek culture. And so inside the Roman Empire is the Greek. So it's basically here was the Jewish people, and over there were the Greeks. And then way out there were the barbarians, which in the, in the actually it's automonopoetic, which means it sounds like what it is, barbarians. That's how they thought they talked, barbarians. You know, sometimes I think that way about Santa Barbara. They're just a bunch of barbarians. Anyway, <laughs> not true. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, so these were the three groups of people, right? So there was us, and then there was them. And this is what Paul wants us to think about today. And so let's take a look at our Bibles. We're looking at Galatians uh, 1, 11 through 17, and then we're going to quickly look at 3, 26 through 29. Let's listen for God's word. He begins this way. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not something that I have made up. I love it that Paul says this, because sometimes the things I read in here just seem too good to be true. And I just love that he's reminding us that it's not. It's of God. He goes on to say, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it as a revelation from Jesus Christ. And he continues, for you have heard about my previous ways in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So Paul was a part of the inner club, the real here church. Remember, I went to college in Minnesota, went to this little college, McAllister College. And I went, I remember wanted to go to a a concert one night of this big famous artist, and I won't tell you his name, but he was formerly known as something else. And so I wanted to go to this guy's concert. So they said he was going to be there. Okay, this is Minneapolis. And so I went to this place where I said they said he was going to be, but he wasn't there. Actually, he was in the inner sanctum of that club. See, I was on the outer club, and then there was an inner club, and there was another inner club, and there was another inner club, and you go through that, and then you get to the person formerly known as the person I was going to go see in concert. I guess it was just good enough that I was like breathing his airspace or something. Now, Paul was a part of the inner club, the inner, 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 inner club of Judaism. And he, was, he says, I was advancing Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He ate perfectly. He studied perfectly. He prayed perfectly. He was a part of the inner club. But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him to the Gentiles, to the goyim in the Hebrew. Actually, to go from the inner sanctum, not just to the other clubs, but out into the street. That's what Paul was taught to do by God. To reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among these Gentiles. I did not consult anyone. I didn't go up to Jerusalem because guess what? Jerusalem was another club. He stayed away from the club. But he said, I went immediately to Arabia and later to Damascus. 
And now we get to the main focus of the morning. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters. We are a part of the inner sanctum of the club because of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's our ticket to get in. For you have all been baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself in Christ. This is an atonement theory, which is basically, we're not the same. It's just that when we're in Christ, we are the same. We're clothed. So we actually hang with one another. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. You are one in Christ. There is no here and there. You are one in Christ. Now that faith has come, we no longer are under the supervision of the law. You're according to God's promise in Abraham's seed. I mean, this is such a radical thing, we have to break it down. So what he's really saying is, there's no Highlands Church and every other church. There's no Baptists versus Catholics. There's no Blacks, Hispanics, Asians versus Whites. There's no Bankers versus Executives. There's no Protestants versus Catholics, Northern California versus Southern California, and this is going to hurt. There is no Paso Robles versus a Tascadero. I know, I know. Drink it in. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're one in Christ. It's such a huge idea. I, I can't even get my mind around this, but sometimes it just trickles into my heart. A couple years ago, thanks to significant sacrifice, I got a chance to go on behalf of this church to Mozambique, which is on the east coast of Africa. Now again, I, was grown, I grew up in Boise, Idaho, so this was way out of like my comfort zone. I'll never get, forget this incredible opportunity that you helped me have in my life and that our sacrifices to help think about. So I just went into these villages and I hung out with people to see a couple of pictures here. I saw wonderful, wonderful people that just have changed my life entirely. We'd go in and we'd work with water and sanitation. And this is a little girl who's about to go home and drink this water that you and I would not give to our animals. But there she is. This was a baptism that I got a chance to do in a church, not so different from this one, this young man here. It was a life-changing experience for me. But the thing that I will never, ever forget is what I want to tell you now. So it was like the hot, hot afternoon, and we drove our van into a little tiny village. And a school had just let out, and all the kids were running around. And at this school, what you'd do is you'd fill your bucket full of water, and then you'd go home after school. So there's this little girl all by herself, off to the side, and I noticed that she had a bucket. This is her picture. And she would go over to the well, and she would fill that little bucket with water. But then I noticed as she walked away, there were little drips that came through the bucket. And the water wouldn't stay in the bucket. So I went over to this wonderful little girl who was all by herself, and I noticed that the bottom of her bucket was like a colander, a sieve, and that no water could be held in there. Now, as I leaned down, I had my hanky, and I just noticed that she had this green snot bubble right there on the end of her nose. And you can't see a kid without wiping a green snot bubble away, so I took my hanky out, and I just wiped that nub little snot bubble, and I put it in my hanky, and I put it in my pocket, and I felt that little green snot bubble back there too. But... <laughs> and then... There was this moment where we had to go, but I had this connection with this wonderful little girl, and I said, okay, now where's her mom? Let's get her a new bucket. Where's her dad? Let's get her a hanky, and we can always wipe her little snot bubbles. And then they told me 
that she doesn't have any mom or dad. Because, she said, they died. And they think they died of AIDS. So I went back to my little hotel room back in the capital of Mozambique. And I saw a picture of my own daughter there that I had on my computer that I'd taken not too long before on the central coast. And there was a little scarf and I could almost see a little snot bubble on the end of her nose. And I really couldn't get this other little girl's face out of my mind. I actually had them both in my heart and I really realized that they're not the same, that they come from different places, that, that they are a world apart, but they are the same in Christ. That they're really, that they're both my daughters. Now, I know that sounds like big pastor stuff, but the place in my heart for this little girl that, that I saw, and I actually tried to look at international adoption, I went through all kinds of people, you can't get kids out of Mozambique, it's just impossible. But it changed my life, and what I have prayed about, as I've thought about this church, is I've prayed that everybody in this church would get to have the same experience as me. But maybe not fly to Mozambique or go to some international thing, but actually have that ache in your heart, that picture of someone in your heart, that that is what gets you up in the morning. That's why you do what you do. So I want to talk about that. And I just talk about a couple of things that have helped me. First of all, if we're going to do this like global thing, it's got to be personal. It's got to be personal. True story. This is a true story. This missionary was in Africa, and he's in church like this. And have you ever been to church and you didn't know when to sit and stand? Have you ever felt like that before? So this was one of these churches. They sit, stand, sit, stand, sit, stand. So he just decides he's going to stand whenever the guy sitting next to him stands. And that's how he's going to do it. So after the service, pastor's at the back door, and he says, uh, so you don't speak the language, I guess. Missionary says, no, I don't. So well, that was obvious because when I asked the father of that little baby to stand up, you stood up. So that's true. One of the people I respect so much in sort of the mission thing that we're talking about is a girl named Jenna Nardella who started Blood Water International. She's like 20, mid-20 year old. She's 25, 26. She just had this heart for people who were suffering from water conditions and AIDS in Africa so she started hanging out with a band called Jars of Clay. You might have heard of them. Then she went on K-Love. You might have heard her on K-Love. And she raised like $30 million. I mean, she's like your age. She raised $30 million for, for this blood water. And I remember asking Jenna Nardella when I had a chance to meet her once, where did you get this heart for this stuff? She said it was in San Francisco when she was growing up as a kid. And she went there with her parents and she went to lunch and she noticed a homeless man out there on the curb. And she said, I'll never be able to erase that man's face from my heart. She said, I don't know where he came from, but I do remember thinking that he should have half of my hamburger. So she goes and gives him half of her hamburger in the middle of lunch, and then she comes back. And she plans on going back to give her the rest of her hamburger afterwards because her parents wouldn't let her go give her the whole thing. And he was gone. She said, I've been looking for his face my whole life, in Africa, in India, and Latin America. It's that personal connection that, that is so, so important. So that's number one. Uh, number two is this. It's got to be a two-way relationship. It can't just be like us helping them. I saw this online. I don't exactly know what it means, but this is a foreign country, and there's a cowboy fairyland. <laughs> Remind me. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I do know this. 
a relationship has to be a two-way street, right? When one of the communities I went to in Mozambique, we drove in and we had all these engineers from Cal Poly with us because we were doing this life water thing. And these guys had clipboards, pencil protectors. They had little, little tape in the middle of their glasses. These guys were smart. They had PhDs. They had more degrees than a thermometer to some of these people. And we went in and these guys were studying the hydrogeological internal dynamics of these spontaneous combustion modulation units of this place. And so this little boy says, excuse me, there is a stick in the well. We're like, good one, kid. Now hit the road. And uh, these guys keep studying this stuff. And he's like, excuse me, there is a stick in the well. And we're like, thank you. Now go. I think I hear your mom calling you. Finally, we studied this thing enough. And they took this thing apart. And three hours later, guess what? There was a stick in the well. I guess his sister had put that in there earlier in the day. But you can learn all kinds of things. Now, look, this is going to be a challenge for, for me even, but one of the things I've noticed in this country is more missionaries are actually coming to this country from other countries than are leaving this country and going to others. It's true. Uh, let me introduce you to a guy who is a missionary from Nigeria. He has been watching, like Pierce Morgan and television, and he's been watching actors who seem to be struggling on television and interviews, and he thinks that our country needs some help. I don't know where he would get that idea. But this is pastoral, Pastor Daniel Ajaya, and he is coming for your soul. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, speak English, Spanish, Cantonese, he's on a mission to save you from eternal damnation. And he realizes that you might be skeptical, but you, he hopes that you will listen to, you, to him. I love it. He thinks we need the help. Maybe we do. So it has to be a two-way street. I'll tell you, I learned a lot from the communities that I've been a part of. I, um, I learned from this community. Richard mentioned that we just do one offering here. But at this church, they actually had five offerings whenever they didn't get what they wanted. So we're working on some new dynamics here. I've learned from other churches. But this is the last and most important thing. That this stuff has to be about a personal sacrifice. A personal sacrifice. I used to teach at this little school in central Utah called Wasatch Academy. It was the kind of place where people in you know, more wealthy cities, T-Burns and Burling Games, would send their kids and then just drop them off. So we got to teach them for four years. And I went in, and I'll never forget, one day I went into this little guy's room, and I said, what's going on? And he said, I'm not too happy. I said, I clearly, what's up? And he said, well, I got a letter from my dad. Uh-huh. Well, that's cool. A letter from your dad. What did it say? He said, it didn't say anything. It just sent a check that he had written for me. Cool. I said, a check? How much? He said, $500. Hard thing about this little place we lived is there was nowhere to spend money so you could have it. It was actually good. It's no challenges for the kids. So I said, well, where's the check? He said, it's over there on the desk. And I went over, and there was a stack of checks from his dad. And the little guy said, you know, I didn't want a check. I wanted my dad. Do you know how many churches at the end of the year just write a check for this stuff? They just write a check. And what God is asking us, and I think what, what we're called to do is, is give more than that. To give something of ourselves. 
So we're going to try to do this Life Water International significant sacrifice. We're going to ask everyone to give up something for the next 40 days and give that money to Life Water. I'm going to give up movies, videos, online movies, anything that I have to pay for. And you say, that's not big of a deal. It is a big deal. And it's a big deal for you too because you're going to have to watch a lot of old rerun clips at the beginning of worship every week. So, But you know, Jesus Christ, he didn't just write a check. One of the things I love so much about our God is that he didn't just save us by some international miraculous check. He gave himself. He actually gave the only thing he really had, his life. And that's why we're here. Let's pray. God, thank you for making our relationship with you a two-way street. Thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed for us. Lord, also thank you that it's a personal relationship with you. We pray that you would use us at this time and in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.